I'd like to read the word of God to you to start out. I came to cast fire on the earth, and I would that it was already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, in one house, there will be five divided against three, and two against two, and two against three. And there will be divided father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Well, good morning. If we've not met, my name is Pastor Ken. I am the, the, the pastor here at Crossman's. And, and I want you to know today that whether you are a Republican or a, a Democrat, whether you are a liberal or a conservative, whether you're a black, white, brown in pigment, or whether you consider yourself gay or straight or something else, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're pro-life or you consider yourself pro-choice, whether you love Jesus right now or whether you're just not sure about him, I want you to know that this is a place that you will be loved. Because you are loved by our God. And so that you must be loved by our church. And what I've just said may have created a conflict in some of your minds. Because you're thinking of one of the groups that I mentioned as your enemy. But friends... Each of us have the same enemy, sin. Friends, to God, sin is the ultimate enemy, not the people he created. As a disciple of Jesus, I, I believe to have peace in life and, and, and to be effective in bringing the gospel to the world, we need to understand this. I believe in our past today, Jesus is trying to get us to recognize the, the real conflict that we are in, that we are all in, and find peace in accepting it. You know, today's passage itself can, can seem contradictory to us. Don't we say in church, peace be with you? And um, isn't Jesus known as the prince of peace. And yet, here he is saying directly, he is bringing conflict to us. What you talking about, Jesus? Uh, this this passage, passage may challenge many of us who love our families. Maybe it doesn't for those that don't like them, but, but, but it challenges many of us. It, 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 it challenges many of us that place a high value in getting along, especially with our families. Many might even consider it sinful to create a conflict. Some of us, by our personality, hate conflict, and, and we, we try to avoid conflict at all costs. How could Jesus be saying he's bringing division? Well, well, friends, we're in a series called Anxiety Solved. And for many of us, conflict in human relationship is something that, that gives us most of our anxiety. Is it possible that accepting the conflict in life is what actually 
will bring us peace. Jesus said this in, in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's, it seems to me in that verse that there is a difference in the way the world looks at peace and the way Jesus does. The world often has a fake peace that we're trying to achieve. And, and real peace comes in accepting his solution for peace, which is often in real conflict with the world's idea of peace. Today's message is, is titled, Abiding in Peace Through Conflict. And I, and I believe Jesus is teaching us how to get past a major fear for many of us of being in conflict with others, especially those close to us. So today, let's look at God's word in Luke 12, 49 through 52. And Jesus says this, I came to cast fire on the earth, and I would that it, would already, that it were already kindled. First, we need to understand and accept that Jesus actually came to create a conflict with this world through his gospel. See, we are all comfortable in our sin. We tend to like to manage it and make peace with it. And Jesus, he came to destroy it. So that's bound to create conflict, right? For those of us that are fond of our sin, which is all of us. His advancing kingdom through the gospel is declaring war on sin. And, and, and so as believers, we can't be apathetic and at peace with our sin and also accept the gospel. Fire, biblically, is either purification or it's judgment. And I, I believe what Jesus is talking about in these verses is purification, not final judgment. But both things mean the end of the conflict that brings a lasting peace. Fire destroys things. It, 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 it consumes them. Jesus did not come to make us more tolerant of sin. He came to kill it, to crush it under his feet. But he did not come to crush sinners. See, Jesus loves sinners. He came to free them from sin by going to war with their enemy. Like a fire, his mission is to consume sin completely by his passionate love so that we are preserved. John 3, 17 and 18 says, For God did not send his, world, his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. In this verse, there is a, a division. There is a, a, a conflict. And it is between those who believe and those who don't. Friends, that's war. But our war is often defighting, fighting, and, and defining the war a different way. 
the war that most in the world are fighting is between those it considers sinners and those it considers righteous. See, that's the world religion. But that's not the God of the Bible's religion. His view is that we are all sinners. The division or war is between those sinners who are redeemed by God through his faith and through his goodness, or through our faith and his goodness, and those who reject him, seeking their peace somewhere else. I believe the fire Jesus wants to cast for sinners like me and you is his passionate love through his gospel. His victory is saving us from eternal judgment or sin for our sin. Jesus said, I would that it was already kindled. That word would means I wish. I wish the war was started. I wish sin was done. I wish because of his love, he doesn't want to see sin destroy us any longer. I I also believe that Jesus wishes that, that his people would share that passionate love for sinners and be on fire to destroy sin, which is the problem, preserving people. That they would embrace the conflict with the world because of their love for what Jesus loves. That, that we would not seek a false peace of tolerating the destruction of what he loves people. He's encouraging his, his disciples to, to join him passionately in his war on sin. Because the problem of many in our world, including many Christians today, is that we seek a false peace of warring against those we see as sinners instead of warring against our sin. Beloved, our enemy is sin, not people or sinners. Jesus says, I have a a baptism to be baptized with. How great is my distress until it is accomplished. Can you see Jesus' passionate love for us in that verse? The baptism that, that Jesus is talking about here is his death. Baptism for the Christian is a symbol of Jesus' death on the cross, his burial in a borrowed tomb, and and his resurrection to new life again on the third day. Jesus is distressed. His greatest desire is to be baptized, to die, to destroy the power of our mortal enemy, sin, and its effect in our lives. He he, he has got a great desire to destroy the eternal consequence of our sin, separation from a holy, loving God forever in hell. Jesus rising to new life proves that the wage or the effect of sin, which is death, is now gone forever for those who believe. That the war is over. 
and that eternally now we can have peace with God forever. Notice, Jesus is distressed until this happens. He said things like, I must go to the cross. He's not at peace with us going through destruction that our sin has cost us. He's distressed about it. He is ripped apart by his love for us until the war is won and sin suffers its final defeat. You know, the word here in, in this verse is the same word um, when he says accomplished is, is the Greek word teleo. It, it's the same word that the apostle John records was Jesus' last word on the cross. He said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and he gave up his life. On the cross, Jesus won the war. He, he completely crushed the serpent's head, the one who tempted our race to rebel against God. Jesus took out our sin right at the source, right at the leader of the rebellion. But Taleo is also an accounting term that means paid in full. Jesus paid the full price of our sins, past, present, and future, in his own body. And when Jesus says he is distressed until this happens, it shows how great his love for us is. Jesus not, does not say he's distressed about the great physical suffering he's going to endure. He is not distressed by the humiliation and the, the rejection and the betrayal of the people that he loved, the people he created, his friends. Jesus is distressed because of the terminal cost sin has had to his creation that he loves. Jesus asks his disciples a very important question to teach them about what he is truly passionate about. Do you think that I have come to give peace on the earth? No. I tell you, rather, division. The problem here is our thinking. That's what he's saying. We, we, are, we are all trying to make peace with sin. The, the very thing Jesus gave his life to destroy Instead of seeking its defeat, we tend to seek to justify it. We tend to seek to excuse it. We tend to seek to tolerate it. But if we are his disciples, we will be at war with him. With it, with him. Inside each of us who believe, there is a battle going on. The Apostle Paul said this battle is going on. He, he described it in himself in Romans chapter 7. He says, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin that dwells in me. For I know nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. 
for the believer, is sin you, according to this passage? No. But sin dwells in me. Sin is not you. Sin is an enemy to you. It's something warring against you. So if we agree that God's word is good and that his word is the beautiful design for our lives, the perfect design, we need to declare war on the sin living in us, not on the people around us. We must come to the real truth of the conflict like Paul does. It is in ourselves. That is where we are to wage war first, is in ourselves. And if we wage it at others, we're actually faking peace. We're, we're pretending that there's peace where there is no peace. Instead, we're distracting ourselves with the sin of others while the war rages within us. To deal with the war, we have to be honest or mindful that the war is going on. Friends, you don't fix a problem by saying it's not there. The Bible says you're not in the truth. You can't cry, peace, peace. Friends, where there is no peace. Friends, how did Jesus defeat sin? He had to die. He had to kill our sin in his own body. He did not seek to destroy sinners. Just like Jesus, to have victory in our war with sin, we each need to die with him. Galatians 2, 20-21 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And he gave himself for me. I, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Sin is not battled, friends. Instead, it is put to death with Jesus. Disciples don't win their battle against sin by our willpower. We die to the power of it by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave his life for us. We don't, we don't seek our own peace with God by our own efforts of righteousness. We, we recognize the war is only won by Jesus. And, and so we surrender our lives to him. But beloved, don't nullify or, or make his grace useless by defeating attempts, our own attempts, to beat sin ourselves. Instead, we accept his love, his grace, and his power by faith to end the war within by allowing him to recreate us. See, in creation, God created division between light and darkness, sea and land. To recreate us, he has to make a division between us and sin, a separation. 
And if we say there's not a war going on, that we have wanted ourselves, for us, Christ died for no purpose. We had, must admit that there is a war because of our rebellion against God and allow him to cast the fire of his gospel, the fire of his love into us to destroy our sin. You know, the Holy Spirit visually manifested itself to the disciples as fire, tongues of fire. See, the Holy Spirit's role is to bring us to the truth about the war by convicting of us of our personal sin. Then the Holy Spirit's role is to convict us of how good God is in loving us by defeating our sin problem, sending his son Jesus to die for it. The Holy Spirit also then needs to convict us of judgment. That sin is ultimately done. And, and it will be destroyed in the new kingdom. And if we are aligned with it instead of God at that time, we will be destroyed forever as well. Now, today is the time to turn and be convicted that we are at war and seek Jesus by faith and live in his love. Friends, we, we cannot be apathetic about our sin. Jesus came to cast fire on it, to destroy it completely. There is a kingdom of light that Jesus has invited us into and a kingdom of dark that sin invites us into. Friends, there is no kingdom of gray. You're either aligned with one kingdom or the other. Jesus is merciless against sin, but he is merciful to sinners like me. Do not pretend peace with him by pretending your sin is no big deal. Friends, it's a big deal. Jesus died to kill it. Today, turn to him and live. See, you're either passionately at war with him by faith in his gospel, or you're not. There is no middle ground. We, we must abide in him so that we can have peace in the conflict that our sin causes and so that we can be delivered from it forever. Friends, in this life, we will never be sinless. We won't. I'm not. You're not. But if we are following him, we should sin less. By faith, we fight the battle against our sin through his gospel. Jesus did not come for you to have peace in your sin. He came to give you the power to defeat it. Jesus says if, if, if you're battling it with him, you will have conflict. He says in verse 52, from now on, in one house, there will be five divided against three and two and two against three. Sometimes five against two and, and sometimes two against three. Jesus is saying is that sometimes you're in the majority among men and sometimes you're in the minority. But the real conflict is the same because the conflict is in us. One way we all try to fake peace is by trying to be in the majority. We, we tend to gang up against the sins of others instead of dealing with our own. 
Again, the fight against sin is not a fight against people. Being in the majority to feel powerful and to make ourselves right does not work. Thinking that we are in a special minority oppressed by the majority also does not make us right with God. It's not man's opinion that matters in regard to sin. What matters is God's opinion. God says all have sinned and fall short of his glory. If you have a majority of sinners in your corner, does that make you right? Or does that just give more potential for more sin? If you have a a special minority of sinners in the corner speaking loudly, does that make sin right? No. But both groups are quick to point out the sins of others, aren't they? To feel justified. To, To make ourselves look holy in man's eyes. But there is only one that is holy and without sin, and that is Jesus. Did, did Jesus gang up in a, in a party in a, with other sinners? Did he gang up in a party to oppress others? Or did he die for others? The, the world often, and sometimes Christians, gang up in special identity groups to feel better about our sinfulness. Republicans and Democrats cast the fire of judgment on each other. But does that make either group holy before God? Opposite sex attracted people and same sex attracted people cast the fire of judgment on each other today. Does that make either group more holy before God? The rich and the poor cast the fire of judgment on each other. Does that make either group more holy? Others tend to gang up racially, feeling superior to one another by the pigment of their skin or their family origin. Does that ganging up by race make one more holy? Friends, in all those cases, they're fighting the wrong battle. Friends, we are not made holy by warring against the sins of others. 1 Peter 1, 15, 16 says, But as he who is called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We are made holy by him calling us that, by making us that through the gospel. And we are holy if we are like him. Somebody who would humbly lay down their life for a sinner. See, the world just gangs up on others by groups. Happened in Jesus' days. The the Pharisees ganged up on Jesus. The Sadducees ganged up on Jesus. The Romans ganged up on Jesus. Now, none of them agreed with, with, with each other. In other days, they'd be ganging up on each other. But they agreed on one thing. That Jesus was wrong for being honest about what the real problem, what what the real battle was. So they killed him instead of battling them. Jesus went to war. He didn't battle them. He went to war 
with their sin. Jesus prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. By his love, he died to defeat our great enemy, sin. Now, this last verse is to help his disciples to understand the cost of the battle. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. The war against sin will divide even families. Is this because Jesus has told them or told us to be at war with our families or one another? No. No. It is just the natural consequence of a gospel that wars against sin. See, parents and children can selfishly desire for you to serve them rather than the gospel. Be honest, how many of you have seen conflict in your family relationships because you now serve Jesus Christ? How many of you lost friends? Because you have chosen to serve Jesus Christ. How many of you have been made fun of by friends and family? How many of you have been defriended on social media? How many of you that once had important people in your life, they now seem to stay away from you or don't even invite you over anymore? Jesus told his disciples this would happen if we would serve him instead of them. As the gospel grows in you and as sin is defeated, you obey God, not people. And so people get upset with you. If you serve him, you will be hated just like he was hated even by some that are close to you in your family. If you're on his team, the the people loyal to the other team won't like you. The Apostle John said this about Jesus. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And the people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Notice it says, this is judgment. See, when Jesus came into the world, he was not embraced by most men and women. Because sinners often love their sin more than they love God. Jesus came here as an enemy of sin to cast fire, the fire of the gospel, to destroy it. That was his mission. Jesus was not offensive to people. He was not offensive to people who knew they were in sin. Actually, his daily contact with others showed the opposite, that that sinners... Loved to be around Jesus. He was accused of hanging out with them too much. He loved them. He was kind to them. He was also very honest about the common problem that plagued them. Sinners who knew they had the problem were the ones that really loved him. And they understood that he loved them and was trying to help them. Because he spoke the truth and was honest about the war they were in. And that they needed the power of God to overcome through the gospel to defeat it.
it was often actually the religious ones, those that tried to hide their sin from everyone, that hid their sin in the dark, that hated him. They, they hated Jesus because he brought attention to the fake peace medications in which they distracted themselves with so that their sin continued to flourish. Some had the medication of religion, religious duty that made them feel justified, more justified than others. Some had the medication of majority opinion that made them feel justified because they were right. For some, it was the condemnation of a common enemy in their group that they consider sinners that, that made them feel justified. And for many others, it was simply the pleasure that sin gave them that medicated the, the true reality of the war that was being waged upon him. And then there were still others that had a medication of self-improvement and self-reliance that, that gave them a sense of false peace in their life. They hated Jesus because he, he brought them into the light of the truth that all of their sin was at war with God. And that only by admitting it if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of every, every wrong. It was only by admitting it and surrendering to Jesus that it could be defeated. You know, I believe the comic strip Pogo was right when he said, we have met the enemy and he is us. See, that is truly what the gospel of Jesus says. If we, we love our sin we are an enemy of, of God that needs to be fully conquered by his love. The word gospel in the Greek is the word euangelion. It is the word we get evangelism from. It means to declare good news, but specifically to declare good news in the ancient world in reference to kings or nations that had a victory over an oppressive enemy. When, when we as disciples declare the gospel in our testimony of what Jesus has done in life, or, or the gospel of Jesus, it's offensive. It, it automatically creates a conflict with those who desire to hide their sin and justify themselves. Most in the world make their desires their identity. So saying that their desire is sin is highly offensive to them. But what did Paul say? I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. His identity, his sinful identity had to die. See, the gospel of Jesus, friends, will divide because it's an offensive thing. Because of our pride. 1 Peter 2 calls it that. It's a stone of stumbling. It's a rock of offense. Today, if you're offended by my preaching of the gospel, you're pretending at peace, saying, I'm good. I don't need God's mercy. God says, Jesus says, you're not good. That only God is good. And in fact, you are desperately poor. You are needy. You are weak because of the sin 
warring against you. And you don't think that's going to create division in his own hometown. The people who loved him tried to throw him off a cliff for basically stating that. See, our only hope, though, is not to be in conflict with that, but to accept it and let Jesus cast fire on it and destroy it by his love and grace preserving our soul. Friends, there's no compromising with sin. And the reason I believe Jesus brings up family relationships here is that is where we can compromise the most and let sin flourish the most. There's a great temptation for families not to deal honestly with the offense sin causes because they're afraid of the division that the gospel can bring. Didn't Jesus ask, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. See, often we fake peace in family relationships because family relationships can often be a very powerful idol that we can seek instead of seeking God. Some codependently excuse sin for fear of creating or for exposing the conflict of sin with the gospel. A gospel that demands us to address sin honestly in love. Other families, there are people who openly confront the wrongs of people. Making each other enemies instead of making sin the real enemy, which it is. And see, both strategies, both of them, create a false peace, either of avoidance or of control. But you know what happens in both cases? Sin wins. It is only by the gospel of Jesus that sin can be defeated. We can't cover it up. We can't make compromises with sin and defeat it. We, we can't control it out of people. Both strategies are faking peace. We instead need to let the gospel do what Jesus said it's going to do, make a division. There is a natural conflict between the sinner humbly being redeemed by God and the sinner seeking to justify themselves as good. Beloved, we are not to create the division. The gospel demands that we don't create a division in in Romans 12. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. But we need to accept the reality of the division that the gospel creates and not compromise. We can't compromise or, or we serve our family members instead of serving Jesus and his gospel. See, sinners rarely compromise their sin because they're a slave to it. But we, the redeemed, can be tempted to compromise on God, can't we? We do this to keep the peace, calling it love, but it's sometimes giving in to sin and letting sin have dominion. A disciple of Jesus must stand firm 
in the truth of the gospel, no matter what it costs them relationally. You know, I find it very interesting that Ephesians 6, which teaches on spiritual warfare, comes after Paul's teaching on human relationships. Husbands and wives, children and parents, employees and employers, masters and slaves, because our loyalty to the gospel is often tested in these relationships. There's great temptation. The, the charge in Ephesians 6 is not to go on the offensive and attack people, but to stand firm, to be armed with the power of the gospel. Each of the pieces of armor are part of the gospel. You know, Anatar sang a song, Love is a Battlefield. Jesus let us know that first in these verses. The enemy of the gospel are often those we deal with. And for a time, we must accept even their hatred of us because sin still has dominion in their lives. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 36, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Friends, we cannot love our families more than God and serve them instead of his gospel. Instead, we must abide in real peace instead of fake peace that God has given us through the gospel of Jesus Christ and abide in that peace through the conflict that it creates. We must not fear the loss of the love of our family because to fear man is a trap and a snare, but instead accept the truth of God's amazing love for us and stand firm in his love through the gospel ourselves. We, we, we must continue, no matter what, to continually cast the fire of the gospel on those in our family with deep prayers, passionate, fiery prayers, for their redemption. We must never lose hope for them because love, like Jesus, always hopes, wishes that sin would end. Like Jesus, let us remain distressed in hopeful expectation for when their sin will be defeated by their faith in the Son of God who loved them and who gave his life for them. But during that time, or until that time, we must serve Jesus instead of even our family. Because our true family is in him and his people. Believers in this room may be more family. You may be with them longer than some of your family. See, that's how Jesus defined family. Forever does the will of God is my brother and sister. And mother, Mark 3, 35. Friends, it, today, if you recognize that your family is keeping you by serving them from doing the will of God in the gospel, you're serving them. And, and, and you need to repent of your false idol of peace and enter in the peace of God 
through the gospel, through the Son of God who loved you and gave his life for you. This isn't an easy teaching, but it is an important one so that we do not become compromised in our world by false love over real love, real love that will preserve us forever. And when we hold to real love, they will find real love. As you change, they see it. And it draws them by your love. The enemy is sin, friends, not people. But that does create a division. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you loved us. That you were willing to divide from your father perfect goodness, and come and live amongst us as sinners. That you put up with the hatred and the division, all for our benefit. You, you passionately loved us enough to live amongst us and, and deal with the criticism and deal with the pain of our sin. Not only that, but you, you went to the cross allowed your body to be pierced for our sake that sin would die oh father let us in our pain over division in this life look to the love that you have for us in the gospel that unites us father if there's anybody here today who is standing on that dividing line serving the world and trying to serve you or maybe they're just all serving the world and recognize they need to serve you Father let them cross over today let them by faith believe that you are the solution to their sin that you will kill it and destroy it if, you, if they put their faith in you and that you will give them eternal life oh Father send the fire of the Holy Spirit right now to convict their hearts of their sin Father, convict their hearts that you are good and that you love them and they need to repent before judgment comes. Oh Lord, do a mighty work. Do your work of saving sinners in this place or online today. Father, let us not wait any longer for that to happen. You're passionately waiting for it to come because you love us. Father, do a work in us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, if, if you want to cross that line and you need somebody to pray with, you want to get honest and, and talk about things, I'll be here to pray with you. Jesus became immersed and baptized in his death. You need to become immersed in his gospel so that sin dies in you. Maybe you need to make a decision to join this church and, and start immersing yourself in it and sanctify yourself, purify yourself through his gospel. Whatever decision you need to make today, I'll be here to pray with you. Hear it. Plead for God's grace with you. Let us pray.
as we sing.